In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Looking good, Jack. Feeling good, Kenyatta. Fantastic. Fantastic. Listening, friends, we hope you look and feel good as well because we love you all and we're happy you're back with us for another episode of Save the World, which pretty much describes what we do here every week for 60-ish minutes at a time. So, Yep, that is, that is our goal. That is our goal, but my gosh, are people making it difficult? Then we'd be out of a self-appointed job, now wouldn't we? That's true. That is true. They, they are making that part easy. <laughs> As they say, our work is cut out for us. Oh, no, we've said that before. Everybody says that. Anyway. Yeah. But yep. here we are. And if you're listening, that means you know what we're about. So you'll you'll stick around. We're fairly sure of it. So thanks. Yes. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Absolutely. We really do. And by showing your appreciation, we're going to jump right into our WTFs. And what do you have for us this week? I have a little bit of a twofer, and I will not... Uh, monopolize too much time on them but they're related okay these fall into oh look a white person is uncomfortable again category oh that's just awful <laughs> we wouldn't want someone to be uncomfortable mm. when confronted with the crappy things that our people have done to other people's not not quite in that vein but close all right the first half comes straight out of the corporate offices of Target. Everybody loves the Target. Uh-huh. They the, tar- have re- hmm? the Target. The Target. The Target is removing some items from its stores and making other changes to its LB- L- LGBTQ plus merchandise nationwide ahead of Pride Month, which is in June. After intense backlash from some customers who confronted workers and tipped over displays. Now, Target states that customers knocked down pride displays at some stores, angrily approached workers, and posted threatening videos on social media from inside the stores. Now, while the store or spokespeople from the store declined to say which items it was removing, but the one item or one particular item that was getting the most attention were, quote, tuck-friendly women's swimsuits that allowed pre-surgery trans women to conceal their private parts. Quite frankly, I think that's a brilliant idea. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Of course, I don't, you know, run in those circles, but I agree. I mean, I mean, I didn't know a thing existed either, but it makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah, no, great yeah, sense. you know, for somebody to see the need for that and then to go out and design it. I love it. Yeah. I Others, other dirty heathens do not. Um, yeah, apparently. 
apparently. So, so in response, Target has had to remove or relocate the merchandise. Some some stores in the South have relocated their items to the back of the store. Um, there we like, are, moving people to the back again. Isn't that something? In relation, My God. yeah. In relation, and of course, this is this is backlash because this is that year apparently to come for the LGBTQ plus folks. Apparently, and related to that, apparently there are close to five hundred anti-LGBTQ plus bills that have gone before state legislatures since the beginning of the year, which is an unprecedented number according to the ACLU. And a lot of those focus on health, particularly gender-affirming health care for transgender youth and education. Now, mm-hmm. And at least 17 states have enacted laws restricting or banning gender-affirming care for transgender, transgender minors. Uh, even though judges have blocked their enforcement in some states. Um, an AP analysis found that often those bills sprang not from grassroots or constituent demand, but from the pens of a handful of conservative interest groups. Yep. Several misleading videos had been put out about the uh, swimwear line at Target, saying that they were selling these tuck-friendly swimsuits for kids. Which, of course, I'm sure they don't even come in kid sizes. Well, I mean, obviously, teenagers are adult sizes, but you know what I mean. That's the first first half of this story, and it clearly illustrates because of the whim of a handful of psychos, a big, huge corporate brand has bent to their will. Yeah. And, you know, for a group of people who claim that lying is bad, you know, they sure do lie a lot. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody recently. Well, I've just I've just met this person in the last few months. And you know, they're pretty nice. No, no, no big issues or anything like that. But there was something that they said in the course of the conversation. We were just talking about general things, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about um pronouns, referring to a, a mutual acquaintance um with they them pronouns. Right. And this person I was talking to, she says, you know, we, we started dabbling in that whole whole subject. She said she believed or she didn't believe in letting prepubescent or prepuberty children go through like hormone therapy right. and things like that. Like she said it like this was a common occurrence. I said, mm-hmm. like how often do you think this shit happens? I didn't say it like that. <laughs> No, that was what I said. I said, I get what you're saying. And I said, I agree. When kids go through puberty, hormones are shifting and it would be a dangerous thing to introduce anything into that. However, she said, but it is happening. I said, not to the extent that you would think, not to the extent you hear. It's not like a widespread thing. Trust me. Reputable doctors, and there are plenty of them, would not involve themselves in something like that until that child got past puberty and had gone through a slew of therapy with themselves and their family if they're flaming on board. There's so many other things that have to happen before they just start throwing hormone treatments at kids. Give yeah. me a break. Yeah. So I, I felt the educator role come out in me at that point. I couldn't help it. I'm like, 
first of all, even though I, I don't particularly like the word, I consider myself a staunch ally. And that means if I hear somebody start croaking out misinformation, I'll be happy to hop up and correct it, especially right. with somebody I know. And I'm like, I said, I'm cool with her. So it wasn't a big deal, you know, but it just it just reminded me just how close some of these opinions are. They're just not out cyberspace, just floating around on comment boards yeah. and stuff. Sometimes they're right nearby. And it's like, oh, Okay. And nice that she it wasn't it wasn't malicious. She wasn't right. foul about it or anything really like that. She just genuinely believed that something was what it wasn't. But that's the first part of the story. Someone's upset. A huge multi-billion dollar company folds. Yeah. Oh no, they're not gonna come to Target. They will. They'll be back. It's fine. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. They'll be back. Yeah. They'll be back. <laughs> The other half of, oh, no, somebody's uncomfortable is down in, I believe it's Dade County. Oh, sorry. Miami Lakes, Florida, Florida. Uh, One parent, one, one parent of a couple of students at an elementary school complained about a poem written by a lovely young name, young lady by the name of Amanda Gorman. If the name does or doesn't sound familiar, she's a young lady that recited that poem at President Biden's inauguration. Yeah. Yep. Called The Hill We Climb. It was published into a book and the parents said, no, I don't like it. And the elementary school library banned it because of one parent. One. Doesn't, yeah. I said one. Just, yeah. Yeah. They're, it, yeah. <laughs> And I'm looking at the official complaint form. Somebody got a hold of it and then immediately went out to the cypher spear. And I appreciate who I appreciate the hero that put that out here. Um, first of all, they filled out the form where it says author. They put Oprah Winfrey. <clears throat> On the space where it says, why do you object to this material? The complainant said is not educational and has indirectly hate messages pages 12 and 13 question three did you review all the material yes question four are you aware of professional reviews on this material i don't need it question six for what age group would you recommend this material not for schools question seven what do you believe is the function of this material cause confusion and indoctrination I find the whole indoctrination thing, it irritates the hell out of me. Uh And I don't, I don't want people to take this wrong. Right. But it comes from people that literally start putting their children in an indoctrination program almost at birth when they take them to nursery and then Sunday school throughout their life. Believe it or not, taking your kid to church and doing all of that is a form of indoctrination. And it's just so funny that they don't notice that. Of course it's not. Of course it is not indoctrination. But. Seen from their side, no. Well, yeah. Well, church is an indoctrination. But they don't understand the full meaning of indoctrination. That's part of it. Exactly. They're thinking when you talk about stuff like this and they bring out the word indoctrination, they're only thinking about things that make people that look like them feel bad 
Right. That's that's I think that's how indoctrination is being defined at this point in time. Anything that makes the cultural majority in this country feel bad. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just it's just freaking ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, and if being exposed to stuff Heather and I were talking about this the other day. If being exposed to something indoctrinates you and makes you behave or act or turns you into a certain way, mm-hmm. our generation would be the fittest generation and we would know how to dance to the oldies like you would not believe because of Richard Simmons. Because if ever something was shoved on people, it was Richard Simmons and then dancing to the oldies. We would be the fittest generation ever. If that stuff worked right, we would we would enjoy our little short shorts and we'd be dancing around with our little curly hairs and tank tops. Leg warmers. I love them leg warmers. And here's the thing I never really understood about leg warmers. If your legs are cold that you need leg warmers, put on some pants. But anyway, yeah, they make sweatpants for that. <laughs> Why is it just your calves that are cold? Tina <laughs> has it made, though. And, and, and to your point. Yeah, if indoctrination works, we'd be a whole lot of things. And here's here's an even an even bigger point that kind of points back to the first half of, of my WTF. If indoctrination works, there would be no LGBTQ plus. Because the, yeah. the, the majority of folks are, you know, we're considered cisgendered. It's yeah. that's 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 the way it's been, that's the way it'll continue to be. Why would you want to do something where people are gonna treat you like shit? Right? I've had voluntarily. Right. That's what I'm saying. I have, I have, you know, gay friends and it's like, I've literally had someone say to me, being gay in Oklahoma makes your life. Oh, so much more difficult. Why would I voluntarily just do that for the hell of it? You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what this person was saying. He's like, I'm gay because I was born that way. And to your point, I don't remember just waking up one day and deciding to be straight. Yeah, <laughs> it's just what it was. One day I was here worried about Barbie dolls and stuff. The next day, next thing I know, you were worried boy, about Ken. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that boy is so cute. It wasn't a conscious thing. It just was. Yeah. So if it's like that for straight folks and, and cisgender, then it's like that for the LGBTQ folks. There's no yeah. conscious effort into it. And in and, and listening, friends, I'm I'm not if I'm if I overstep here, someone write in and let me know. I take criticism well. I think the only conscious thing that folks in, in the LGBTQ plus community have is to whether to tell other people. Yeah. That's it. They know who they are. Right. And it's who can you trust that you feel safe around? Right. I think that may be the only conscious thing or the first conscious thing that they decide to do. Yeah. They, they know who they are. They, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. It makes me like itch when people tell myself, well, that's the lifestyle they want to live. No. You know what's a lifestyle? Swinging. Polygamy. Furries. Right. Polygamy is also... Polygamy is also biblical marriage. Don't forget that. Not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Fair point. Thing of it is, is that those are lifestyles. Those are things that people consciously do. And they hey. all center around 
marriage and sex and things of that nature. But for some reason, they want to label being LGBTQ plus as a lifestyle choice. And it's something I don't agree with. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I have a hard <laughs> enough time, you know, trying to keep my own life going to worry about, you know, what other people do. And even if it is a choice, I don't fucking care. It's not, but I'm saying if it were, still don't care. Doesn't affect me. I don't care to the extent that whatever happens between two grown consenting adults is their business. Yeah. Whatever they're doing that doesn't harm other people around them. It's their business. What? I don't understand why that concept is so hard for some people to accept, because I guarantee you, you don't want people doing the same thing to you. Yeah. And on and to further that, they they're sitting here thinking that they're not doing anything which warrants that kind of judgment. It probably does. Something that you're doing, somebody somewhere else doesn't like it. You just don't know about it yet. Yeah, somewhere in this world, you're doing something that to them is completely wrong, you know, sinful, goes against nature, yada, 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 yada. Somewhere in this world, whatever you're doing, somewhere else they find it, you know, offensive. Go eat a nice juicy steak at Outback. That pisses off people in India because or Hindus. Cows don't sacred. eat cows. Right. Or vegans. Right. Enjoying that pulled pork sandwich. Huh? Yeah. You just ticked off all the Muslims and Jews. Well, you just ticked off PETA. <laughs> and PETA. <laughs> <As> well. <laughs> well, I enjoy ticking off PETA. That's a <laughs> like when y'all get down here to the East Coast, remind me to take you over to the, the HQ over in Norfolk. It's great. Um <laughs> right. But yeah, 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 like whatever it is you're doing is not 100% acceptable by the rest of the world. So don't go thinking that and don't hold and stop making it a habit to hold yourself in such high judgment and sanctimoniousness on what other whether other people do, especially when it does not uh, affect you. Yeah. So, yep. Quit. Uh, quit trying to tread on others. Basically. If you're gonna if you're gonna drive around with your "Don't tread on me" license plate, you should probably not tread on others. Mm-hmm. Just just a thought. That is a good thought. That is a good thought. But um, yeah, so there we go. Oh, the anti woke brigade rides again. Wahoo! Yep, nothing like being asleep and walking around sleepwalking. <laughs> but that's that's my WTF. So there you go. All right. All right. I guess I'll uh, jump into mine, which is kind of a, a big thing. But uh, debt ceiling crap is just freaking ridiculous. As much as the Democrats could not stand Trump, I'll even say it, hated Trump with a passion. Not that he didn't deserve, you know, whatever. They still did not hold the country hostage when it came time to up the debt ceiling. Yeah. But these MAGA types are, which in my opinion goes against your oath that you take when you swear into office, because paying the country's debt, in my opinion, is part of what you do when you swear to uphold the Constitution. Yeah. But it also has proven that all of this stuff that all their hearings and everything is just for political circus. 
You're not going to sit there and have a hearing and put in paperwork to impeach the head of Homeland Security because too much fentanyl is coming across the border while simultaneously demanding that you cut the Border Patrol budget by 22%. Those two things don't jive. You can't claim that you're for the military and veterans and want to cut the Department of Veterans Affairs by 22%. That also doesn't jive. Keep in mind, and this has become more and more obvious as years go on, that Republicans tend to be only concerned about the military when they're young and fit and able to serve. Right. They're out. You're on your own. Good luck. Yeah. Did you see that? um, What are their hearings? And there was a Democratic congressman that was talking. He's like, if you don't want the budget of the Department of Veterans Affairs to increase, you probably shouldn't involve us in a 20 year war because that means you're going to have a lot of veterans that need the VA. And that, and I'm trying not to go too far off the rails, but consider the advancements in medicine and technology in the last, or since the Civil War, let's say. The fact that we've been able to save so many soldiers who would have other by, otherwise died, let's say, from losing a limb or some such thing. The fact that we've been able to save many of them yeah. has unfortunately left them it's somewhat less quality of life, I say, and I'm not trying to insult, but you catch my, my meaning. Right. Which which means in, increasingly the need for having better and more reliable veterans um, resources has become more and more important as the years go by because of this. Yeah. And they seem not to want to pay attention. What, well, what I mean, part don't you understand? Yeah. Yeah. But sort of on that same note, though, what I was initially trying to get to, mm. they hate Joe Biden so much and their desire to win in 2024 is so great that they are willing to crash the economy to prove a point. But it's not just our economy because the globe is so interrelated. It will crash mm. multiple countries' economies. And no, they're, just, it- they're just willing to do it because they don't like Joe Biden the Joe Biden crime family. I mean, is it any wonder that there are whispers in other parts of the world about trying to get away from the U.S. dollar? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. And they bitch about, there are people talking about going over to the Chinese yen. Oh, I wonder why. Because they don't want to have anything to do with you, yahoos. And and am I, I'm probably wrong, but I seem to remember during Obama's first term when, you know, they had their, the first discussions during his terms about raising the ceiling and the Republicans came really, really close. Matter of fact, it did shut down at some point well, for like a week ish, something there like was, that. There was the government shutdown, but that it, it comes from not uh, passing a budget. Right. The debt okay. ceiling and budget passing while similar are not it's different things. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, like I, I seem to remember, cause I remember I watched, I was watching it on C-SPAN that that fantastically entertaining channel with nothing but action and drama. And they were, you know, going through the hearings about they were negotiating whether to raise it. And they were giving Obama the hardest time for no reason. And I think they came close. They didn't, nothing shut down, but they came really close and they gave him a hard time. And I'm thinking to myself, I remember that, that 
was kids play compared to what they're doing right now. I know. And this is what's so freaking irritating. Raising the debt ceiling is just, well, we do it so we can pay our debts that we owe. Yeah, we have to do that. That's in the Constitution to pay our debts. Yes. Where was I going? (laughs) (laughs) But it's a routine thing. It's not as big a deal as they're trying to make it out to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is for stuff that we've already, bills already passed, things already signed, Uh stuff that's already out there. Right. And keep in mind that since um, 1789 is when the, you know, we started paying our debts in this country. Since that time, 25% of the U.S. debt occurred from uh, January 20th of 2017. (laughs) To now, twenty five percent. They don't want to acknowledge that they they, d- they didn't they didn't have any problem raising the debt ceiling then, did they? At all, at all. And, and guess who guess who voted to raise it then too? Democrats did. Yeah. Because while they hated Trump, they still knew that we have to do this because this is what we need to do as a country. This is the business of the country, and once again, like we saw, you know, back in January, where d- d- diddling over. You know, the Speaker of the House, they're in there having fun, fucking yeah. people, instead of conducting the business of the country, and they're doing it again. Yeah. And then alumnus of the show, Matt Gates, literally is caught on camera saying, we're going to hold the country hostage. Yeah. And your girl, and your girl, Marjorie Taylor Green. <laughs> <Not laughing. laughs> I know you're already laughing at this <laughs> And it was both parties laughing at her. It was the whole chamber. <laughs> The chamber will have decorum. They was like, bitch, please. <laughs> did you just say that? You like, know who you stopped, are, right? Somebody stopped slap dude next to him. Like, did you hear that? Did she? And the thing was, somebody whispered that in her ear, told her to say that and set her up for like the biggest joke this week. Yeah. I, I laughed too. I laughed too. Oh, I, I joined right in with everybody laughing at her. But. <laughs> If I was ever foolish enough to run for office and made it all the way to the to the big leagues, I would gladly bring a little tiny bag of popcorn with me every time <laughs> and pull it out every time session starts. Just sit there and get ready. Just oh yeah, what are we gonna talk about tonight? Let's go. Remember back when they were doing the speaker crap and it kept going through, and Representative Katie Porter from California was reading the book "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck." Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just... It's a good book, by the way. I read that. Oh, yeah, I did, too. It's fantastic. You know, we should we should discuss that one day. Anyway. Oh, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. Listening friends, if you have not ever read it, do yourself a favor and, and check it out. It is chock full of F-bombs, but it all will make sense. And it's a very serious book. Don't let it the is. title fool you. It's very serious and a good book. <laughs> a very lot good. of good ideas in it. Very good. But, um, yeah. I, I just remember the, the, the days, not that I was necessarily alive or paid attention to politics. I just remember hearing the stories back in the good old days where they would get up and filibuster for like 14 hours. Yeah. And they'd like put diapers on and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like they could not leave. They couldn't take potty breaks. They couldn't eat. They couldn't go eat. They had to stand up there and just literally blow smoke for however long they needed to yeah. stall proceedings. There was someone that had a freaking IV put in. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Oh, who was it? The it was the Southern Senator back in the day who did it. Um, um, it was the I believe the mega racist Strom Thurmond. Yes, yes. Talk about having courage of your racist conviction. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, this is. I don't know. Is twenty twenty three the year of political retribution at its finest or at its worst? However you want to see it. I have no idea. I mean, keep in mind the dude leading the party for the or leading the pack for the Republicans literally said in a speech, I am your retribution. <laughs> First of all, this is not the next Transformers movie, okay? So <laughs> Well, no one ever will, accused him of living in the real world, but I, I shall smite thee. <laughs> yeah. Like <sighs> the world could use Optimus Prime right now, though. I mean, to I be mean, fair. I mean, seriously, I'd like to give a shout out, though, since we're talking about the new Transformers movie, that my um my cousin, who's a visual effects editor, uh, has worked Did on Did he movie. work on that? Oh, he sweet. Did. She's the same one that worked on um, WandaVision and um, Wakanda Forever, and now the Transformers movie. Yes. Transformers <laughs> Beast Wars, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So that's thrilling. Shout out to her. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we need to have her on as a guest. I mean, you know, I'll see what I can do. She's in demand. She's in demand, I'll tell you that. But um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was my WTF because it's like, how the hell can you literally want to hold the country hostage because you hate Joe Biden? Trust me, you know, from, from their end of it, they are the true patriots here. They will not succumb to this brow beating and bullying they won't do it yeah and it's it's funny like as they're doing it (laughs) as they're doing it no no they are fighting for the country um because like one day you know prez is like hey me and mccarthy are talking and everything's good and literally 24 hours no uh yeah uh it's not working out (laughs) yeah like okay I guess McCarthy was making too many concessions and, and all the people that he had to butt kiss to get a p- appointed speaker started calling in shit. Thomas, you better not. He was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Yeah. 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 That's what happens when you yeah. make deals with the devil. Yeah. He, um, would, always, he would demand his fee. Eh? <laughs> hey, maybe, you know what? If maybe if they would have, voted to impeach for one of his many crimes of the two times he was impeached Mm. uh it could have stopped this maga insanity or at least slowed it down but they didn't do that so it emboldened all of these other white nationalist psychopathic seven dominion evangelicals to run for office gonna be a fun time in the country for the next year and change oh my yeah yeah well we should probably move on to something that is both um, happier and yet sad, because this particular person did create a large amount of joy for folks mm-hmm. through a very long and amazing career. But it's also sad because of her passing. Yes. Yes, it is. So with that... um. I would like to talk about that person. Sorry, I had to pause there because I wanted to plug something in before I before I get into that. 
Um, we had actually two notable passings this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one was Spike Lee's father, Bill Lee, who's a lifelong musician and composer on many of Spike's movies. He actually passed away the same day as, uh, as the subject of tonight's episode. He was 94. So that was also very sad to hear. But um, as with our topic today, the both of them had very long and fruitful lives and careers. And yeah. So. And then, of course, the late, great, well, late, just recently, but Jim Brown. Yes. Yes, Jim Brown. Um, obviously notable in his career for mostly football, but he was a multi he was a multi sport athlete. Yeah, and he was in one of the movies that we've discussed earlier in our uh, podcast, and that's mm-hmm. I'm going to get you, sucker. Yes, yes. Because he, he owned the have, barbecue stand. <laughs> he did have an extensive uh, acting career. And as a matter of fact, I just watched another movie that he was in. It was a small part. Um, I just rewatched it last week. It was Spike Lee's He Got Game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an excellent movie, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so some unfortunate, notable passings this week. And the one we're going to go into the depth on today is uh, the legendary and iconic Miss Tina Turner, who was 83. And if you don't know who Tina Turner is, I don't know what to say. So listening friends, if for some reason you've been stuck to the moss, on the bottom side of a rock inside of a cave underwater this whole time. I'm going to learn you about Tina Turner today. So strap in, strap in. She was born Anna May Bullock on November 26, 1939. And deservedly. So she was coined the queen of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. She started out. Well, she was always singing. Um, as a child, she was involved in the local church choir there in her hometown there in um, Tennessee, Brownsville, Tennessee, actually is where she was born. But she was raised in what was an unincorporated community of Nutbush, Tennessee. Her father worked as an overseer at the sharecroppers farm nearby. And she said she recalled picking cotton with her family at an early age. Um she had two older sisters and she went through some turmoil in her early life in that her parents split up and for a while she lived with her mother and her sisters. And then her mother left their father and left the children behind to be raised by their grandmother. So even early on, unfortunately she had some, some turmoil in her life, I guess you could say some, some feelings. And in listening, friends, if you're if you're familiar with your story, you know where I'm going with this. But even from an early age, she was dealing with with things like that. And her story, unfortunately, is not unusual. And this is, you know, irregardless of ethnic background or socioeconomic background. Unfortunately, this happens a lot to young kids who, for one reason or another, can't stay with their parents. And unfortunately, they get shuffled around. So this was the lot in her early life. But um, like I said, she sang in the church choir. And um, at that time, during that was part of that time was when her and her sisters were living with uh, their grandmother, their mother's mother there in Brownsville. And she apparently stated in her first memoir 
that her parents, she did not feel loved, that her parents basically did not want her. So when she grew up as a teenager, she worked as a domestic worker. And she found out during that time that her half-sister had died in a car crash along with a couple of her cousins. But during school, she joined the cheerleading squad and the ladies basketball team at the nearby Carver and was a, a big socializer, which I'm guessing she was a people person. And, and judging from the kind of performer that she was, that's obvious. So, um, yeah. as a, I want to say she was 16 or 17, she eventually relocated to St. Louis because by that time her mother was there and her older sister, her other older sister were there. So she moved to St. Louis and her and her sister began hanging out in the nightclubs there. And in one of those nightclubs, she first noticed this little fella named Ike (laughs) Turner. And he had a band called the Kings of Rhythm. Now, if you know about Tina, you know about Ike Turner. And I'm not, I don't, I don't particularly care about going into too much detail about him, but two things can be true at once. And in his case, they are, yes, he and his band did record and release one of the first known rock and roll albums called Rocket 88. And he was a serial abuser, cheater, and substance abuser. Two things can be true at once. So, but he had a thing going where his, the clubs that his, band played at that he would invite ladies in the audience to come sing with the band on stage so one night she decides she wants to get up there and sing and this was back in 1957 she gets the microphone starts singing the bb king blues ballad you know i love you if you've ever seen the biopic what's love got to do with it where uh tina is portrayed by the fantastic angela bassett you'll know the song the song is the song is catchy, and I saw to this day I still sing it. But um, they depict it, I guess, fairly accurately in the movie. That as soon as she opened her mouth, starts singing, it blew Ike right out of his socks. So he enlists Tina as his lead singer and teaches her, I guess, the finer points of learning how to sing. You know, practice her with technique and try to uh, mm-hmm. strengthen her voice, things of that nature. So her first recorded song was in 1958 under the name Little Ann on a song called Box Top. In 1960, Ike wrote A Fool in Love, also another amazing song, go figure. And Tina was supposed to sing background with some backing vocalists, but the singer that was supposed to sing lead didn't show up, so Ike had tina stand in and sing it and he intended to use her as a her recording as a demo and then later erase her put in the lead singer whenever the lead singer was able to uh show up but the demo got sent to a fellow by the name of jug murray who was the president of sue records which was one of the handful of r&b record labels in the country mm-hmm. um the president liked it and bought the track and paid Ike two, uh, $25,000 advance for the recording and publishing rights. And he convinced Ike to make her the star of the show. So in response, Ike decided he would rename her Tina because he liked a show that was coming on at the time called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Uh-huh. Right. And added his last name so that he could trademark it in case she left and he had to bring in another girl to beat Tina Turner. 
<laughs> That's relevant later on in the story. It's like so, James Bond. <laughs> it is. Like, it's Sorry. relevant later on in the story. So That shouldn't last, but. It's, it's something like a person like him would do. So go figure. But. Um, yeah, no, it tracks for Ike. It, it tracks for him. So the first song that she goes out as Tina Turner is A Fool in Love. And it reached number two on the R&B chart and 27 on the hot billboard on the billboard hot 100. Um, when I tell you all of these songs that they feature in the movie and, and really most of her catalog, I just I'm not going to lie to y'all. I, I sing them like I wrote them, you know, right. That's that's how much that's how much of an effect she had on me. And I'll get to that later. But um, other singles that they recorded as a duo include It's Gonna Work Out Fine, I Idolize You, and Tra La La. So after they released The Fool in Love, I created the Ike and Tina Turner Review, which included both his band, The Kings of Rhythm, and a girl group called the Ikeettes. <clears throat> and while he didn't sing mostly, well, he chimed in here and there, but he was considered the band leader. And... Interestingly enough, and they depict that to an extent in the movie that he was so strict on his band, he would charge people five bucks a minute for every minute that they were late. Something to that effect. Like he was real. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was he he split hairs about a lot. But as a result of that, you know, a lot of reviews for the band came by very positive that people enjoyed seeing them live. So here we go into. Let's see. 1966, and it was after a live performance that Ike and Tina in the review did that they're approached by British producer Phil Spector. If you know anything about Phil Spector, he has a very interesting history of his own. But Yeah, it seems the reason that him and Ike would be friends. Mm. Anywho, he approaches, uh, he approaches Tina and asks to record with her. Ike is not a part of the deal. Ike didn't like that. Who cares? She goes on to record, which happens to be one of my favorite songs of hers out of her entire robust catalog, River Deep Mountain High, released in 1966. And it didn't do so hot stateside, but it did numbers across the pond. So they liked it over there. Keep that in mind, how much they they liked liked what she did overseas. Um, Let's see. 1969, they released an album which included a cover of Otis Redding's I've Been Loving You Too Long. Uh, let's see. And also, and later in 1969, they opened for the Rolling Stones on their huh. U.S. tour. They also did performances on the Ed Sullivan Show, Playboy After Dark, and the Andy Williams Show. They did quite a few covers, actually, during this, um, this time period. Yeah. Um, let's see. Come Together, Honky Tonk Woman, and Get Back. But 1971, they did a cover of Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary. Listen, I dig the original version. I've heard it plenty of times. Their version of it is absolutely bananas. So that's Yeah, it's I'm almost saying. like two separate songs. It is. It really is. Yeah. And, they, and, you know, in the opening part of the song, Tina's talking about we never do anything nice and easy. So we're going to do it our way. And they do. And it's a, it's a brilliantly, brilliantly put together song. So that became probably their biggest hit when they were a duo. But even as they were 
racking up these hits, they was, you know, discontent. And like I said, if you know the story behind, you know, a story about her, you know, what went on with her and I, that he was incredibly abusive and who knows? I don't, I don't even want to dwell on what made him that way. I mean, there's, there's been, I've heard bits and pieces about his past, about he had a, a turbulent upbringing, things of that nature. It doesn't, doesn't resonate with me at all. Um, because that doesn't mean you get to inflict that on somebody else. That's just where I am. Exactly. So, um, but by the mid seventies, give or take, not only was he continuously abusive, but he was getting more and more addicted to cocaine and he was starting to fall in debt because he wasn't writing. He wasn't coming up with good enough song that wanted that the, the studios wanted to put the wax and he was getting more and more frustrated. So here's the thing. And they depict this, they depict this in the movie as well. And let me just put a disclaimer in there. The, the, the movie was based on her first memoir, I, Tina, but there are some inaccuracies in that. She was involved, but not heavily so. And of course, I pretty much dismissed the entire thing, you know. Right. Was, according to his recollections, he was a devoted and loving husband and father. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with movies, you kind of have to do that sometimes. You have to combine things because you only have, you know, two, yeah. three hour running times. So true, true. But this part is fairly accurate. Um July 1st, 1976. They flew from LA to Dallas where they had a show at the Statler Hilton in downtown Dallas. In the limo on the way to the hotel, they got in a fight. Tina fought back. I'm not saying I like the scene for the fight. I'm saying I like the scene because this is the part as the movie depicts it, where she stood up to him. It wasn't like she hadn't tried to leave him before, plenty of times, but this is the part where she left and did not come back. They get in a fight, they get to the hotel, they go up to the room. Ike falls asleep, she takes off. She's just the clothes on her back in her purse, runs across a four-lane highway to the highway to the hotel across the way and says, I have 36 cents and a gas car and I need a room. And everybody at the hotel knew who she was. Mm-hmm. And the manager was like, no, you ain't got to pay us nothing. Shit, I'll pay you back. He's like, no, we'll get you a room. And that was that. And she was gone. Nevertheless, finalizing their divorce took about, I want to say, almost three years. It was a while because he fought her every step of the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course he did. I mean, come on. But um, she ends up with a lot of debt because, well, both of them, because of canceled gigs that were set to be played after they split up. So she was working her way through a lot of debt. She, she kept some things that they had accumulated in their marriage, but she was adamant about keeping her name. And apparently I had a problem with it. It really didn't matter because the court said, yeah, you can't. So she was literally starting over at close to the age of 40. She had put out, I want to say two or three solo albums while they were still together. But now she was basically starting over from scratch. So she was in so much debt that she would take, you know, hotel gigs and dinner theater just, just to pay the bills. There was a period of time where she was on public assistance because she was taking care of their kids. And to back up, she had, she had already had a kid by the time she married Ike because she had actually first dated the drummer in his band and had a son, but he, he abandoned her. So Ike had 
two children from the woman he was dating when he started getting fixated on hers. And then mm-hmm. together they had a son. So she was caring for, I think, at least three of those sons while trying to make this comeback. So it was extremely difficult for her to do that one. It, it, that's extremely difficult for any single parent to try to do. Right. But two, she's working her way out of tens of thousand dollars of debt and trying to, not, I don't want to say she's trying to recreate herself, but she's trying to come back. But she's, she still wanted to perform. It wasn't just about making the money. She still wanted to perform. She wanted to do it her way. So she hooks up with, I believe it's a producer by the name of Roger Davies, who at the time was the manager and well, he's the manager of uh, Olivia Newton-John at the time. And she hooks up with him. They put together a show. And as a result of this show, she gets a deal. And this is where she comes out with her private dancer album, which was at that point her fourth solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something, like I said, I'd learned bits and bits and pieces of her over the years and put it all together. But Private Dancer was her biggest, I won't say biggest solo album, but it was her first big solo album, put that way. And from that came the, how do I say it? It's like a gift from the gods. What's love got to do with it? Yeah. Private Dancer, what's love got to do with it? Uh I remember that year well. She was all over the charts that year. All over. All over the place. She could not be denied. And I loved it. And I remember I remember when I was young, and that was, let's see, 1984. Yeah. So we were, what, 10, 11, somewhere like that? Uh, I would have been 11, 12. Okay. For me, watching that video and seeing her with the big hair, and a little leather miniskirt and that jacket just strutting down the street. And I, I think I heard. Um, and I'm looking at her like, look at the 40. And, you know, at that age, 40 is ancient. So <laughs> I'm right. like, I'm blown away, like watching this lady in like this little tiny skirt. And at that time, I didn't know anything about, you know, her past before that point. Um, and I, I'm just fascinated with her. I'm like, she's so big and bold and she's got this big blonde wig and she's just fantastic. And so I was fascinated with her at an early age. And as, you know, as, as tastes will do, as you get older, they come and go. So it wasn't until I got into my twenties that I like got right back into her and started learning and reading more about her. And it was absolutely fascinating, you know, and watching the movie, of course, helped. And then I read yeah. about, you know her books and things about her and stuff like that. But from that point on for the next, let's see, da, 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 40 years. Yeah. She did work. She put in work. Like we're talking back to back hits, not just here, all over the world. Crowds in Europe love this lady. It's not a joke. Not a joke. She did hit, she did try her hand in acting, most notably for a supporting role in the third entry in the Mad Max series, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <clears throat> yeah, but she also had the song for that, the theme song, We Don't Need Another Hero. There were two but, songs. I forgot about the second one. That's so sad. The other one was One of the Living. That one won a Grammy Award. Um, and then she just didn't do nothing but just put in work for the next umpteen years. We're talking about, let's see. She's got the two songs there in the movie. She's got, uh, let's see, singles from 86 on her, 1986 from her sixth solo album. Typical male, two people, what you see and what you get. 
and back where you started. Let's see. And that was the year that she released her autobiography by Tina. She received her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Let's see. Oh, in January 1988, she performed in front of approximately 180,000 people at Macarena Stadium in Rio de Janeiro, setting a Guinness World Record at the time for the largest paying concert attendance for a solo artist. Wow. I did not know that. That's cool. It is. In 1991, Ike and Tina Turner were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then in 2021, she was inducted as a solo artist. Rightfully so. Yes. So, she did the theme to the 1995 James Bond movie, GoldenEye. I forgot uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We've got countless tours. When I stayed, this lady stayed working. She stayed working. 2005, she received uh, a Kennedy Center honor from President Judge W. Bush. And she, in the early 2000s, she kind of stepped back from performing, but then she pops up again in 2008 at the Grammys doing a duet with Beyonce. Can you stand it? Um, in April 2010, due to an online campaign by fans of Rangers Football Club, her 1989 hit The Best returned to the UK singles chart, peaking at number nine. This made her the first female recording artist in UK chart history to score top 40 hits in six consecutive decades. She received uh, the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. And there was a musical that they did that came out. It started in late 2019, but unfortunately it shut down in 2020 because of COVID. It opened up again, I think it was late last year and now it's a touring uh touring show and apparently the lead of the broadway production is was fantastic so i would have loved to have seen that but um she i want to say it was 2013 she gave up her american citizenship and became a naturalized swiss citizen and she lived there for the last 10 years hmm. and at, at that time had been married Trying to think how long she had been married by that point. She'd been with she was with her current husband for at least 30 years. But they mm. only got married, I think, in the last seven or eight. But she'd been with him a very, very long time. She wrote a book about it too, which I read, and it was so nice. But in that book, which was called My Love Story, published back in uh 2018, she talks about how she'd had a lot of health issues. She developed a stroke in 2013. 2016, she diagnosed with intestinal cancer and also had high blood pressure. And unfortunately, it resulted in damage to her kidneys and kidney failure. Uh, but but um, she did have kidney transplant surgery in 2017. And I think from that point, her health had been not so good. So Yeah. They haven't necessarily reported on what her cause of death was, but I believe it had something to do with, with that. So I've only I've only managed to to speak on a fraction of her accomplishments. But um, if you can't tell what kind of a fan I am, I don't know what else to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this year has been a a big loss for um, trying to think of the the like iconic 
sort of celebrity, um, you know, black women mm-hmm. with Nichelle Nichols and Tina Turner. Because mm-hmm. not they were iconic, but they were also, you know, trailblazers for others. Yes. Yes. And I just feel it's a big loss, both, you know, for both. It is. And you're and you're right. They're, they 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 opened the both of them opened doors to a certain extent. Um Nichols, obviously for the kind of roles, the role that she was best known for and, and the the doors that she managed to open for other actresses that came behind her. And Turner for much of the same thing. And also in that she chose, she didn't want to limit herself because what she found was happening when she was when she was with, still with Ike is that he would write some a lot of the same songs over and over and over again. She wanted to break out and do something different and exciting. Mm-hmm. So when she got away from him and finally had a chance to reinvigorate her career, that's exactly what she did. So she had a mix in her music of R&B and soul and pop. All sorts yeah. of different genres. She refused to allow herself to be pigeonholed in one particular style of singing. And she worked with everything. There wasn't a song that she touched that was bad. I personally, there are some that I absolutely love more than others, but I don't think I've ever heard a song of her that was bad. Like, no, (laughs) really. Right. Well, I mean, when you have that voice, (laughs) when you have that voice, you could probably take a turd and make it sound great. So basically, basically. And for the most part, she was given, you know, some fine cuts of of filet mignon. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. So even even the stuff that she was singing when Ike was writing it, some of that was a little so-so. Some of the stuff that weren't as big as hits, um, some of it was so-so. But I mean, like you say, with that voice, she really she really could put out any wrong, honestly. So it's just unfortunate that it, it it I can't even imagine what kind of artist she would have been had she not been through what she had been through. And I hate I hate. I hate the idea of a life can't be substantive, substantial without having gone through some struggle. Right. But going through struggle doesn't necessarily make you a better person. It can't. It can make it can help you persevere if that's the kind of person that you were already. Right. And she was. Like she she all the things that were put upon her that she went through that she, that were out of her control. She worked through them and she came out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, beautifully. I, I, I don't know how any other word to say it. She came out the other side beautifully. She has, she has something that I like to refer to as testicular fortitude. Sure. She would have to. Like, like I said, I can't. I think part of it is just having a certain amount of faith in who in who you are, no matter no matter how often other people want to try to stomp on it or put it out. And I'm yeah. not talking about the obvious, but she got so much grief when she came out again with the Private Dancer album. She got so much grief for not doing and singing like what a black woman should sing like. What what is that? That sounds like rock and roll. Well, yes, it is. So what? Yeah. Like, she got she got Do whatever like years later Whitney Houston would get the almost the same kind of grief for not being black enough. Right. Shut up. What you have in the and that's what those two ladies have in common. 
they were both miraculous singers. Like, like they were gifted. You want to give them grief because they don't sound like you think they should get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pigeonhole somebody into a particular type of music. No, no. But um, yeah, that is a very, very, very small nutshell. Listening friends, there's no limit to the amount of information that you can find about her on the interwebs, not to mention the three books that she's written. So I've only touched on a mere fraction and I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do it any remote justice, but please go out, search, read about her. And more than anything, listen to her catalog. When I tell you, you will not be disappointed. Yep. That I was is listening, true. I was listening to her stuff all the rest of the day yesterday. I just, I shed a tear. Oh boy. Anyway. Yep. That is all about Miss Tina Turner. So, yep, phenomenal, phenomenal voice, phenomenal lady, phenomenal yeah. human being. Well, yes, all yeah. of that is also true. Yeah, but that's the beautiful thing about streaming services, folks. You can go and listen to her entire catalog, and it would it'll take you a few days. Trust me, it'll it'll take you a while, but it's well worth it. So yep. please do yourselves a favor, go out. And if you can, catch the videos. That's back when they actually still made videos. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was definitely gifted in the, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the leg department as well. I believe her legs were insured. I think you are correct on that. I think it was it Lloyd's of London. Is that what they're called? I think they were insured. As a matter of fact, I'm mad at myself that I did not have that at the ready. Um but yeah yeah now that was uh like sort of a, was it yesterday yeah shocker that i just sort of was busy and then all of a sudden like oh wow what the hell tina turner yeah yeah i think i was just i don't know i don't know what i was looking at but i just saw it pop up i think it was facebook i just saw it pop up on the feed i said excuse me and I like, I blinked this. It's exactly how I felt when Prince died. I was like, excuse me, is someone playing a sicko joke? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Did someone like internet kill her? Cause you know, that happens to some celebrities. And it's yeah, just- that has happened. There have been a few <laughs> celebrities that, that d- have died and then they turned out weren't dead. Was it oh. like a month ago that said they claimed the celebrity died and they're like, no, he's still alive. And then like three days later he died. <laughs> I mean, don't do it. Don't put that out there like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, Tina Turner had her legs insured for 3.2 million. Mm-hmm. There you go, that's impressive, folks. And she's she was a little lady, I think she wasn't more than five foot five at best. Yeah, and to have legs like that long and be so teeny, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm sick yeah. about it. I'm sick, of yeah. <laughs> and speaking of 3.5 million dollars. If you would like to go to buy us a coffee, you can go to buy us a coffee backslash hyperfocus pods and you could give us $3.5 million. We'll also take $3.5. Correct. 0.5, even though I don't think they'll allow you to pay in less than a dollar, but (laughs) (laughs) anything you'd like to do to help us look out for you guys, we will be happy to receive it. In the name of community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody, we appreciate you listening. It's time for us to to run and get going. We hope you have 
a good rest of your week. And with that, we will catch you on the next one. And thanks for all of the great info on Tina Turner, Kenyatta. Indeed. Listen, friends, I will shame you if you don't go out there and look up this lady. She will. <laughs> all righty. Bye.